Good morning. It is so good to be together on the Lord's Day. If you're visiting, we want you to know that we are glad that you're here at the Willow Avenue Church of Christ. We have just gotten back from polishing the pulpit, and it was a great week. It is frequently called PTP. The last two years, because of COVID, it has not taken place, but uh, we got together. If you have never been there, once a year in August, it takes place in Sevierville, Tennessee. It is a great spiritually uplifting week. This year, there were between 5,100 and 5,200 people in attendance. And if you haven't been, you really ought to go. It is a great time to be with a lot of people. You can be with your family. It is uh, because of the setting. You can get a cabin. You can go do things there in uh, Sevierville. And uh, it is one of the greatest events that we go to. It's my favorite week of the year. I think this year over 200 lessons were given. Uh, the church here actually has an account with PTP 365 so that you can watch the lessons, not just this year, but going back for years. And so if you're interested in that, you can get the information and log on and take advantage of that. But it is a great, great thing. I spoke six times, and some of the lessons that I, were, that I was given I think would be very beneficial, and so over the next several weeks I'm going to be sharing some of those with you. One of them is, I'm going to be gone next week in a gospel meeting, but the week after I had the topic, God is good all the time, and we will talk about that in a couple of weeks. The lesson this morning is, is technology killing God's people? Now, you might think, well, that seems like a very strange topic for a sermon, and it is. But it is what was assigned to me, and the more I studied it, I thought, this is actually a great topic for us to study. When they first gave me this topic, is technology killing God's people, I thought, that's a peculiar topic for them to assign to me, because for the last 17 years, I have been working with the Gospel Broadcasting Network, it is an organization that has as its entire goal using every means of modern technology that arises to get the gospel to people. And so what's my point? My point is that technology is not all bad. It's the way that we're using technology. Now, at GBN, the way we're using it is very good. In the beginning of GBN, we used satellite TV, and that was exclusively what GBN did. But in the last several years, we have been making a push towards social media, and we engage a lot of people every single week. We get contacts. On average, we never have a week pass that we don't have at least one baptism. And our app, if you don't have the GBN app, I would encourage you to get that. Get it on your phone, get it on your tablet, go to uh, the store, on uh, the Android or Apple and download GBN. There are videos on every book of the Bible. One of the new things that we have, and I sent out an email about it to the church, but one of the new things that we have is we're putting out written commentaries on every book of the Bible. We now have 51 of the 66 books of the Bible covered, and if you are interested in getting those, they are absolutely free. We're just trying to get good material into people's hands. And if you want me to send you the link so that you can download those, if you will email me, don at donblackwell.com, I will email you the link and you can download those digital books. 
Brethren, I believe that God has providentially allowed us to develop the modern means of technology so that we can reach people with the gospel. On the day of judgment, if the Lord were to ask us, why didn't you take the gospel to the entire world? We might be tempted to say, well, Lord, there were 8 billion people in the world. How could we possibly reach all of those people? To which he might respond, why didn't you use the technology that I gave you? Why didn't you use the internet and smartphones and all of these devices that are always connected? Brethren, I don't believe that God has given us the amazing modern technology that we have just so that we can binge watch Hulu. I believe it is so that we can use it for good. But you see, the problem is the devil also knows how to use technology, and he is good at it. Now, I love technology. I've got an iPhone and an iPad and an Apple Watch and a MacBook Pro and an iMac. You can see that I lean in one direction in my technology. But when I wake up in the morning, the first thing that I do is I reach over and I turn off my alarm on my iPhone. And then I pick it up and I check my text messages and my emails and my Facebook and the morning news. And then I open up the app and I adjust the air conditioner. And then I speak to Alexa and I tell her to turn on the lamp. That's all before I get out of the bed. As a matter of fact, the automated devices with technology have been extremely helpful to me as a paraplegic so that I can turn things on and off and it has made my life easier. Our modern life is completely intertwined with technology. Now, before I get into this lesson, I want to define my terms. When I talk about technology, I'm talking about smartphones, tablets, the internet, television, movies, media, all of the high-tech delivery, de delivery devices through which we communicate to include Facebook, Twitter, Snapchat, Instagram, YouTube, everything you can think of. All of these things have brought us new challenges. When Sherry and I got married, I don't know anybody that had a, a, a cell phone. It was something that you might see on TV where a rich person had a phone in his car. I don't know anyone that had a computer. I had never heard of the internet. I'd never heard of email. These are all relatively new things in society. Now the question that they assign me is this, is technology killing God's people? I want us to notice four points this morning. They are going to be minutes, morality, misinformation, and mission. Minutes, morality, misinformation, and mission. Now the first point this morning is going to be minutes. And by that, what I mean is our time. Brethren, technology is a huge time sucker. A while back, Facebook started showing these little videos called, uh, they, they bought this company called TikTok. And so they show these TikTok videos. And what happens is they rapidly learn what you like to watch. And so if you like to watch basketball, when you're scrolling through Facebook, they'll start to show you basketball videos. I like guns and knives, and so they show me these type videos. It is extremely addictive. And so you watch one, and it's 30 seconds long, and then you watch another, and it's 30 seconds long, and, and you think, well, I just keep watching. After all, it's just a few seconds, and they can eat a day away like nothing I have ever seen. 
I have had times when I have sat back and I've thought about what I was doing and I realized I had wasted an hour watching these things or being on Facebook and I gained absolutely nothing. Now here's our verse, John 9 and verse 4, Jesus said, I must work the works of him that sent me while it is day, for the night cometh when no man can work. Brethren, what was our Lord saying? The Lord was saying, I have work to do. I have been put here for a reason. I've got to stay on task. I've got to stay on point. I've got to manage my time. I cannot allow myself to become so distracted that I don't accomplish my, my mission. And most of social media does exactly that. Can you imagine with me the time that would be regained if every Christian in the world would lay aside social media for one day and evangelize instead? Or what if we said every Christian in the world for one week or one month would not use any social media, but instead we would redivert that time toward evangelism? I'm going to give you some stats in a minute to put this in perspective. Here's another verse. In Ephesians 5 and verse 16, the Lord said that we should be redeeming the time because the days are evil. What in the world does that mean? The word redeeming there means to buy back. Literally, it means to take it back. Why? Because the days are evil. Now, that doesn't actually mean the days are wicked. It's referring to the fact that time slips away from us. And so the Lord is saying you've got to grab it back because if you're not careful, the time will just slip away. Have you ever started a day and you had a list of grand things you intended to accomplish, but you got to the end of the day and you had absolutely nothing to show for it and you don't know where the day went? I think we've all done that. Forbes.com says that in 2021, the average American spent 3.5 hours per day on social media. The average American, more than 1,300 hours per year last year. That is 25 hours per week. If we could get rid of that and get that time back, that is a full additional day. In fact, if you think about a workday being eight hours, that is three additional workdays every single week. Facebook led the way with 58 minutes per day. Now let's do some math on this. If the average person begins using social media at 13 years old, and he dies at age uh, 79, here would be the breakdown. Over a, life, over a lifespan that is nearly 10 years continuous of using social media. Now, for comparison's sake, one company gave this information. They said the time that a person spends wa watching television amounts to seven years and eight months. The time they spend eating and drinking is three years and five months. The time they spend grooming is one year and 10 months. Socializing, one year and three months. Doing laundry is six months. I know it seems like a lot more than that, but only six months spent doing laundry. That means that the average person will spend more time in his life on social media than doing laundry, socializing, and grooming put together. He will spend more time on social media than he spends eating and drinking. You think we're distracted by technology? Presently, according to statistics, the average person spends 12% of his life using social media. Now, 
I want you to consider how people will say this. I just don't have time to study my Bible. I don't have time to memorize Scripture. I don't have time to conduct a Bible study. Maybe it's because we have let ourselves be so distracted. What if we took back that 12% and we used it for these things? You say, I don't have time, but at work or on a break, we've got time to pull out our phone and look through Facebook, and here's a few minutes here and a few minutes there. Common Sense Media found that overall screen use amongst teens and tweens increased by 17% in the last two years. Now, I suspect that had something to do with COVID. On average, they said daily screen use amongst tweens Tweens are people between 8 and 12 years old. It has increased to 5 hours and 33 minutes per day. Now, screen use, they mean phones, tablets, computers. For teens, it has gone up to 7 hours and 22 minutes. That would be people between the age of 13 and 18. I remembered an illustration that I heard Brother Wendell Winkler tell years ago. He said that he was teaching a Bible class on stewardship, and he suggested to this particular congregation that they set 10% as a beginning point for their giving to the Lord. And he said there was an elderly woman in the class, probably in her 80s, and she raised her hand and she said, uh, Brother Winkler, may I ask a question? And she said, we always suggest that we give 10% of our money to the Lord. Why don't we suggest the same thing with regard to our time? That's an interesting suggestion, isn't it? So Brother Winkler gave this breakdown. He said there are 168 hours in a week, and so 10% rounded off would be about 17 hours per week. If a man were to read his Bible and pray for one hour a day, that would equal seven hours a week. Let's say that the same man attends all of the services of the Lord's church, Sunday morning Bible class, Sunday morning worship, Sunday evening worship, midweek Bible study, and one other function, such as a men's training class, a fellowship meal, whatever, that would be five hours a week. That brings us to 12 hours. Let's say that same man gets off work every day at 4 p.m., and on Monday, he visits a nursing home for one hour. On Tuesday, he visits the hospital for one hour to see his brethren. On Wednesday, he visits any, any visitors who maybe came to the worship services, and he spends one hour. On Thursday, he visits the unfaithful, people who he hasn't seen at worship in a while. When that man gets through with all of that, he still has 90% of his time left. People say, oh, I couldn't possibly do that. And yet we spend 12% of our time on social media. The first point, brethren, is minutes. Is technology, is social media killing God's people? Now, you might say, that's not me, but the average person, we're talking about the average American. The first point is minutes. The second point is morality. I want to say something about homosexuality. Now, I know I did a Bible class in which I talked about this recently. Has homosexuality gained ground in our country? I gave you a statistic just recently in Bible class two weeks ago that said in 1988, support for gay marriage in our country was 11%. In 2021, support for gay marriage was 70%. That's a relatively short amount of time, and we went from 11 to 70%. 
in June of this year, it is what our country now calls Pride Month. They mean Gay Pride Month. And so if you get your television via Hulu or Netflix or Disney all through the month, they were showing gay programs, people that had gay characters. Disney is not even being secretive about this. And I gave you some quotes. I didn't finish the lesson. Some people said they wanted me to go back and finish it. So I'll do that in a sermon sometime. But one of the quotes I gave you was from a Disney executive. And she said, we're not even hiding it anymore. She said, we are pushing it by the end of the year. We are going to have more and more LGBTQ characters in our programming. She said, we used to have to be sly about it. But she said, now it's not a secret. In June, they released the Buzz Lightyear movie in which there was an animated gay kiss on the screen. And she said, we put it out there because people don't mind. Friends, here's the question. If the evidence suggests that the majority of people believe, people believe today that we are born as homosexuals. They believe that it is genetic. Where do people get that idea from? I don't believe that it is because evidence proves it. I believe it is because the media has done such a good job spinning this into a lie. If you read Facebook, that's what you're going to see. On an iPhone, I use an iPhone, if you swipe to the far left, there's a section that will give you a news feed, and it gives you the latest of what's going on in the world today. The problem is all of the choices for news are rank liberal sources that push immorality to include homosexuality. You know, it seems like no matter what television program you watch today, there is always going to be a homosexual on it. And the homosexual is always the smart, reasonable person, and the people that oppose it, they're always bigots. I am telling you, the devil is using technology to brainwash us. He is working on us with regard to morality. Millennials now support homosexual marriage at a rate of 83%. Why is that? Because the media has turned up the heat in the last 20 years, and it has worked. I read an article last week. It was from the Christian Chronicle. I'll send you the link if you want to see it. But it was about homosexuality in the churches of Christ and how some individuals and some congregations are now starting to accept it. I'm going to say more about that later, but it is working its way into the Lord's church. I want you to think about modern media and technology and the subject of pornography. I'll tell you something else. This has contributed, modern technology has contributed to an epidemic with regard to pornography. You know, when I was a kid, if a person wanted to view pornography, that person would have to go and they would have to buy it. And there was kind of a built-in risk because maybe somebody would see them doing it. And so there was kind of a built-in inhibition. But it's not that way now because of technology. The internet has made it so that people can view pornography in the privacy of their home, and they don't think anybody's ever going to know about it. A few years ago, one of my neighbors in the neighborhood where I was living came to the house, not a member of the church, but he knocked on the door. He knew I was a preacher, and he said, I need some help. He said, because... I have been using pornography on my cell phone, on my smartphone. I didn't even know that was a thing at the time. But he said, my wife has caught me, and she's going to leave me because of this. 
It was destroying his marriage. According to research, approximately two-thirds of U.S. men now view pornography at least once a month. By age breakdown, in the 18 to 30 age group, 79% of men are using internet pornography. In the group of 31 to 49 age group, 67% of men. In the age 50 to 68, 50% of men. The study says that 30% of young men in the 18 to 30 age group use pornography via the internet or some sort of mobile device every single day. I tell you what, social media, including Facebook, contributes to this problem in pornography. Now somebody says, Don, social media, Facebook doesn't allow pornography. What are you talking about? But it allows immodesty. It allows many things that are right on the verge of pornography. And young men see this and it gets the wheels turning in their mind and they want to see more and more. You think about entertainment and morality. The devil has done a good job using movies and television. He has made us think that homosexuality is normal. In fact, if you watch HGTV, used to be you could watch HGTV and it was something that was clean. Now, if you watch HGTV, you would think that every couple who buys a house is gay because they push it so much. Through the movies and uh, the TV, the devil gives us storylines that shows the persecuted gay person. And it's always the bigot that persecutes him. Through movies and TV, the devil has us rooting for adulterous relationships. We're rooting for the thief that he won't get caught. And the devil breaks down walls of morality. I was doing a gospel meeting in Texas a few years ago. And one of the elders invited me to his house for lunch. And I noticed he had a sign sitting on top of his television that said this. How dare we be entertained by the things that sent Jesus to the cross? Isn't that a great sign? How dare we be entertained by the things that sent Jesus to the cross? When it comes to technology and our entertainment, let's keep that in mind. Here's the next one. Misinformation. The New York Times had an article just recently that said the, quote, experts are worried because social media platforms are filled with misinformation. They said young people really have no idea now what is real and what is fake. But a big part of the problem is what the experts are calling fake news is actually the truth and vice versa. Forbes.com says whether it's about the presidential election, climate change, COVID-19 vaccines, Misinformation continues to spread rampantly across social media. According to a Pew Research Service study from January, more than 8 in 10 Americans, 86% of Americans, said they get their news now from their smartphone. Now, what's the problem? There is tremendous misinformation being spread, whether it is because of liberal bias, because it is cable news, it is propaganda, whatever it is, a vast amount of false information is being spread through media. The North Carolina, North Carolina State University did a peer-reviewed study, and they said, quote, unmistakably, they have uh, unmistakably exposed big tech's most egregious attempt 
to tilt the scale toward left-wing candidates. What does that mean? They said they did a study. They have proven that big media is putting out information in favor of one political party to the detriment of the other. The same article talks about how Democrat leaders have tried to persuade tech companies to limit certain information before the Roe versus Wade decision. That is, a few weeks ago in June, when they released the new decision about Roe versus Wade being overturned, that the Democratic Party was trying to persuade big media, don't say much about this right now. Why? They're trying to influence the news that is going out. Top sources that people go to for information, you won't be surprised. Google is one of them. YouTube is another. Both are filled with liberal media bias. And so if your child is getting his news that way, he's going to be in trouble. I want you to imagine this for comparison. Imagine if you take a new convert or a young child and you let them spend five to seven and a half hours a day, because that's how long we spend on social media. What if we spend five to seven and a half hours per day reading denominational literature? Not the truth, not the Bible, but denominational literature. How would that affect their knowledge of the Bible? It would affect a, a, a mature Christian if you let them spend seven hours a day reading error. Now, it's a different discussion for a different day, but brethren, the Lord's church is being hurt that way because a lot of people read denominational literature. Some preachers are reading denominational books. I've had some people tell me they use such and such commentaries because they found it online and it's free and it's filled with error, but that's where they're getting their study material. That's part of why GBN is trying to put out good, sound material that people can get absolutely for free so they can have a, a true source as a go-to. We need to be teaching the truth biblically, scientifically, politically, socially, sexually, morally, because there is a lot of misinformation and if people are getting their information from these sources, they're going to be in trouble. Now, sources like Facebook now have what they call fact checkers. Unfortunately, many of the fact checkers have the liberal bias. And so it feeds the misinformation, and we're told the misinformation has been confirmed, and it is legitimate. Imagine now if that's where a person is going to learn about religion or to get information about abortion, or about the election, or about COVID. It's interesting, I've seen some articles in recent days, whereas a year ago, if you posted something about COVID, it would be labeled as false information, and it would be blocked. Now we're being told that it's actually the true information, and we've learned better. Very interesting. Here's the last point. I want to think about technology and our mission. By our mission, what I mean is, why are we here? Why did God put us on this earth? I have a limited amount of time. What am I doing with it? Here's the answer. In 1 Corinthians, or in Revelation chapter 4 and verse 11, the Bible says, Thou art worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power. Thou hast created all things, and for thy pleasure they are and were created. Brethren, what is our purpose according to this verse? 
Our purpose is to bring pleasure to God. In Ecclesiastes chapter 12 and verse 13, in fact, I just noticed on my uh, slide there, it says 1 Corinthians 6 and verse 9. That's actually Revelation 4 and verse 11. But according to Ecclesiastes 12 and verse 13, the Bible says, Let us hear the conclusion of the whole matter. Fear God and keep His commandments, for this is the whole duty of man. According to this verse, what is our purpose? The whole of man, the entire purpose that I exist is to fear God and to keep His commandments. And if I fail to do that, I have missed my purpose in life. I might graduate the top of my class and get a Ph.D. and be a respected scholar, but if I fail to fear God and keep His commandments, I have missed my purpose I might build a huge and successful company and retire as a millionaire, but if I fail to fear God and keep His commandments, I have missed my purpose in life. I might find a cure for cancer, but if I fail to fear God and keep His commandments, I have missed my purpose in life. I heard a story, maybe I've shared it with you before, but I thought it makes a good point. It was about a watchmaker who was drafted during the Civil War. And his unit was sent out to battle, and they were positioned at a certain point, and then they had to stay there for weeks. Well, during that time, they're just sitting there in camp all day doing nothing, and fellow members of his unit began to bring them their old watches to repair. Eventually, after weeks, they got their charge to go into battle, and the watchmaker said, I can't go into battle. I've got too many watches to repair. Now, what was the point? He had forgotten why he was there in the first place. Brethren, I believe our modern technology sometimes makes us forget why we are here in the first place. I believe we have a generation of people who has come to believe that our greatest purpose in life is to be entertained all the time. And to that end, we have smartphones, and they're loaded with music and games. We have tablets that are linked to Hulu and Netflix and Amazon Prime. Fifty percent of houses now have some sort of streaming services. In our, in our cars, we've got DVD players. We've got XM satellite radio. We've got Bluetooth, Pandora, Spotify. In our homes, we've got Xbox, PlayStation, and Xbox, Dish Network, cable TV, streaming services. Services. According to the Nielsen ratings, an average American adult now will spend five hours and four minutes a day watching television, the bulk of which we watch on HGTVs. 94% uh, of American houses have HGTVs. Some of it we watch on our tablets. 58% of houses have tablets. They say that the average household now watches an entire season of a television show in five days. We call it binge watching. Brethren, I don't know how we could look at the large number of hours that are spent watching TV and using our technology and argue that we are not being distracted from our mission. I want you to do something for me. Don't share the answers, but I want you to just answer this for yourself. How many hours have I spent this week in prayer, if it is hours? How many hours have I spent studying the Bible? How many hours have I spent in attendance at worship? How many hours have I spent teaching others or doing evangelism? 
In Luke 19 and 10, Jesus said that his mission was to seek and to save the lost. He's the head, we're the body. The body has the same mission as the head. Our mission is to seek and save the lost. John 9, 4, Jesus said, I must work the works of him that sent me while it is day, for the night cometh when no man can work. That is to say, I have a mission to do. I've got work to do, and I've got a limited amount of time to do it. Brethren, I will honestly tell you that this lesson made me stop and realize I've been distracted by technology, and I want to do better. Is technology killing God's people? At one point in the life of Jesus, a lawyer came to him and asked him the question, Master, what is the greatest commandment in the law? To which Jesus responded in Matthew 22, 36 through 38, he says, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all of thy heart, all of thy soul, and all of thy mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. May we never let technology or anything else cause us to lose sight of our goal. Maybe you're here today as a member of the body of Christ, and you're thinking, I've been distracted. I have lost my mission, and I've lost sight, and I personally am going to rededicate myself to be faithful. And if that's the case, and you can do that privately, we encourage you to do that. Maybe you're here this morning, and you've got something of a public nature that you desire to confess publicly. We would be honored if we could go to God and pray for you. Maybe you're here this morning and you want to obey the gospel. You want to become a Christian by hearing, believing, repenting, confessing, and being baptized. We would be very pleased if we could assist you with that this morning. Today, if you need to respond to the Lord's invitation, we invite you to come as together we stand and sing the invitation song.